Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, September 25th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, did you know if if you carry on, my wayward son, <laughs> there'll be peace when you are done? I was, I was wondering how you were going to fit that into the intro. Yeah, Lay you did your it. weary head yeah. to rest. You did it. Don't you cry no more. I'm not crying. No, no more. No more. Uh, Ashley's downstairs neighbors are having a rock fest. <laughs> Which includes some Billy Joel and some Kansas. Yeah, yeah, so if you yeah, hear yeah, a little we'll music in the background, it's a little New it's York ambiance. Yeah, it's great enjoy. music. Classic yeah, rock. I was gonna yeah. say they've got they've got good taste, and I get along with them. So yeah. I'm happy to feature them in the podcast. Yeah, absolutely no qualms about either Billy Joel or Kansas. Now, exactly. we'll see where they go next. Next song. I'm trying to like. Oh, when you when you do the first story, I'll be I'll get I'll be given a lesson okay. <laughs> with one ear open. Yeah, uh, neither you or James have ever listened to me on the show anyway, so that's fine. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, before <laughs> we get into the news, I did want to remind everybody that, in fact, despite the errant message that you got last week, Rory O'Malley will be a guest on this uh, week's yay. This Week on Broadway, talking about his voter registration organization, and I'm sure much, much more. Of course... If you would like to be a part of that recording, you can head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. You can listen live and submit questions for Rory to answer as well as interact with James Peter Michael at all. So uh, that should be fantastic. So definitely look forward mm-hmm. to hearing that. All right, Ashley, let's get into the news. And we're going to start with some pretty cool news coming out of New York's Signature Theater. Yesterday, they announced what's next for a couple of the shows that have made debuts at their theater over the past year or so. First up, Lauren Yee's play with music, Cambodian Rock Band, which features the original music from Dengue Fever, will set off a national tour during the 2021-2022 season. The show will be the first signature production to ever go out on tour and won't exactly go the route of most, you know, big Broadway musicals when they go out on tour. Instead, it'll start at the Berkeley Rep before hitting other stops, presumably moderately to large regional nonprofit theaters across the country. Now, actually, this is not the first show to head out on a similar tour, even in recent years, both The Humans, which is a little different because that did, you know, go to Broadway and, and when Tony's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking of something like Small Mouth Sounds, um, and especially for oh, Small yeah. Mouth Sounds and Cambodian Rock Band, I absolutely love this idea because since neither of those were ever able to make a move to Broadway, and I don't know that Small Mouth Sounds was ever actually was interested in that. I was um, going to say for both Small Mouth Sounds and Cambodian Rock Band, they're not typically I, I, you know, they should be seen by a large audience, so I'm especially glad they're going on tour, but uh, they're not typically what you would expect to see on a Broadway stage, and yeah. that's they're better for it. <laughs> I mean, I think Cambodian Rock Band could have played at a smaller not-for-profit that could have played at MTC Maybe. Um, or, or, or second stage or something. I think it very sure. well could have and would have been a major contender for a lot of awards, but it's great that these compelling works are being seen by a wider, wider audience. I mean, we talk all the time about how some of the best work being done in the American theater is not happening. It's, I mean, it's almost certainly not happening on Broadway um, and, and oftentimes not even in New York, but at the regional theaters around the country. So to be able to team with those regional theaters to bring in some of the best work that is being done in New York so that people who might not have a chance to see these shows during their limited off-Broadway runs is is absolutely fantastic, and I and I hope that this is something mm-hmm. that we see more of moving forward. Yeah, definitely. As you said, limited off-Broadway runs, and that's to put it mildly. I mean, some off-Broadway shows 
will even run a week and then nobody will even get to see them so to have something like a tour where not only do you know theoretically people in new york if they're close to a tour spot uh, could go out and get to see the show either for their first time or get to see it again but also just you know people in smaller towns that wouldn't necessarily wouldn't even get to see these shows necessarily if they were on broadway because travel and pandemic and every other factor on earth uh so but to, you know so to have these shows which I mean, arguably as we often talk about with off-broadway they're putting out better quality shows than what's mm-hmm. on Broadway. I don't think either, you know, I don't think Cambodian rock band is any exception. I unfortunately didn't get to see it, uh, when it was even off Broadway. So I'm one of those people who would love to yeah. get to get a chance to see it if it was it at was least great. somewhere close. Yeah. I know, I know you got to see it. I, mine was a rescheduled and then pandemic. So yeah. what can you mm-hmm. do about that? Sad trombone. Um, what, well, what also is interesting about a lot of times when shows like these go out on tours, they're not the traditional one week um, runs that you'll see for the major musicals at the traditional touring mm-hmm. houses. What you'll see is, is they will take over a slot in the not-for-profit season. So that'll be there for three, four, five weeks, um, which is a wonderful opportunity. Obviously, the the venue sizes are often much smaller. Um, so it's it's not like you can fit the same amount of people in as you will for sure. you know, the Wicked Tour or whatever. But um, it's a great opportunity to see these shows, and I hope – that people do, in- but that's even. But that's even I, as far as like venue size, and it's not as you said, not going to be like the same as like Wicked going on tour. That's also a good thing to me because I think totally. it replicates more of the off Broadway experience. You obviously don't have the same size by by definition. Your Broadway houses and your off Broadway houses aren't the same size. So if you are g- taking an off Broadway show on tour, you're at least somewhat replicating the experience by having it in a smaller theater, and not just the experience for the audience, but the experience for the stage. I mean, that's exactly. really the yeah. big difference yeah. there. Like, oftentimes the touring houses double or triple or even more the size of the audience than Broadway sure. shows. But sure. the dimensions of the stage are pretty much, you know, the same. There might be little quirks and some might be smaller or larger than others, uh, but they're all pretty, right. pretty much the same. It would not work to take an off Broadway show and throw it into, you know, the huge cavernous. Um, stage at Atlanta's oh, yeah. fabulous Fox oh, yeah. Theater. So this is this uh, is another thing that definitely makes Fox. sense. Do you love the Fox? It's the best. So good. <laughs> so um, good. <laughs> in other signature and Berkeley rep news, though, they did announce on Thursday as well that Dave Malloy's Octet will have its West Coast premiere at the California Theater as part of their 2021 spring season. Annie mm. Tippy will be back to direct. Ashley, I, I, I'm I'm a little conflicted on this idea that I have not with Octet going to Berkeley rep because that's awesome. But I wonder if we're going to see more things like this, whether it is tours or New York productions um, going out, which, you know, it, it happens fairly regularly. We see a lot of stuff at like CTG and Amundsen and all that stuff. So that's not a surprise, but I wonder if we see more of it as a potentially cheaper way to fill in slots on a schedule in a post-pandemic world. I'd have to imagine Mm. that it's cheaper for a regional theater to put an existing production that that was created somewhere else 
into their schedule than having to fully produce one on it on their own. Yeah, you know, I, theor- I, theoretically, for sure. I don't know about any kinds of yeah, rights, rights situations, and all, totally. but yeah. But, you know, obviously I'd be disappointed if this happens for the local artists who miss out on these opportunities. But on the flip side, the audiences have wonderful opportunities to see productions that they might only able to be able to see for like three, four weeks in New York. Exactly. Elsewhere. Exactly. So like I'm I'm conflicted on these, but I do wonder if this is something that we might see more of because it might be easier to schedule these things um from a financial standpoint when every theater company is going to be dealing with uh, really constricted budgets for the next few years. I think so, but what I'm really going to be interested in seeing, because say you take a show that was, you know, off-Broadway, for instance, and then it goes on tour, uh, and it was a show that was on stage pre-pandemic, well, now you have to change all the staging. So I'm really going to be interested to see how certain shows are going to adapt if they, you know, were mainly staged pre-pandemic and now they're going to be starting up and saying, well, uh, for both of us, for both, you know, the company and whatever venue out on the road and also for specific actors and specific shows, if it's going to be easier and cheaper to just remount the show, how are we going to adapt it to make sense post-pandemic? Or do they quarantine altogether like they're doing with basketball yeah so that maybe they don't have to i don't know I, maybe. Who knows? That's, that's a whole other discussion for it's a whole, whole thing topic. it's a whole new world yeah a whole new world anyway okay exactly. let's move on <laughs> and run through some fairly interesting stories from around the theater world first yesterday broadway cares equity fights aids announced that French hornist, local 802 president, and Mr. Betsy Wolf, Adam Krauthammer, Town actress Kimberly Maribel, producer Brian Moreland, beloved actor and activist Javier Munoz, Tony and Emmy winning icon Billy Porter, and actress and the director of the upcoming AIDA revival tour slash who knows what they're going to do with it now, Shelley Williams, right. had joined BCEFA's board of trustees. Congratulations to all of these individuals, especially Munoz, Mm. who has been very open about his status as somebody living with HIV. Next up, the Ambassador Theater Group announced on Thursday that they will be suspending the beloved holiday tradition that is the family pantomimes across London and the UK until next Christmas of 2021. Ashley, we'd heard all these reports that the UK government was hoping to have at least some theaters open in some shape or form in time for the holidays this year, but apparently mm-hmm. it just wasn't going to work for ATG and their producing partners. They did say that all of the shows scheduled for this year will be pushed back to 2021, and everybody who's already pu- purchased tickets will be contacted about either moving them to next year or refunds or whatever the other options are. And finally, in this section, yesterday, Soho Rep announced a really uh, cool new program called Soho Rep Project Number One. The program will see the company create jobs for eight theater artists starting this week, started earlier this week, and running through the end of June 2021. The mm-hmm. eight diverse artists, whose name you can see at the link in the show notes, will receive a $1,250 a week salary for a total of 50K over the next what is that? Nine months. Uh, and they will receive health insurance beginning on the first of next month, October 1st. According to a press release, Soho reps, directors and board said, quote, uh, they see the current moment as an opportunity to build a community around deliberate conversations and experiments that aim to transcend calcified industry norms and in create a more sustainable, ethically sound, equitable theater. 
Actually, I love this. In a time when so many yeah. companies are furloughing workers to see one invest in the changes that we will, you know, we've all talked about needing to see in the industry. It is encouraging. Now, I don't know what else is going on with Soho Rep's finances or budget or anything else they've done. But just in a vacuum, th- this program and especially seeing how interesting that the, the eight different individuals are is very, very cool mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, more of this for sure. It's, you know, we're, I talked about on the show yesterday with the Met and all of their new programming simultaneously with all of their financial issues. Uh, this is obviously a much smaller scale and a much more optimistic one to come from that news onto something like this, which totally. truthfully, I mean, seems much more plausible than anything the Met has in their pipeline at this point. Yeah, this is great. And, you know, I, we always talk about how off-Broadway theaters are, I mean, are essentially, unless you're like one of the big ones like Signature that we talked about earlier, you're living sure. hand to mouth in a lot of ways. And to, to oh, yeah. see them put whatever money they have in savings or in an endowment towards something like this is, is fantastic. Definitely. All right. Let's move on to the recommendations, Ashley. And they are not going to be the traditional recommendations that I normally end the show with. Instead, mm. I've got something, um, that, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to actually read as opposed to just sitting there no. and watching or listening to. The See, first- I usually, well, usually when I do the show, I'm like, here's some reading material. Yeah, so well, I you're read. an academic and I'm an idiot. So anyway. <laughs> I'm an academic. Where am I an academic? Well, this is news to me. <laughs> well, you, you are a writer. I am a podcaster. That says uh, the, the, the everything you need to know. But anyway, the first piece is a fairly sobering one from the New York Times that looks at what would have been happening artistically this very week in New York had the pandemic not happened. From the first performance of Hugh Jackman in Sutton Foster's Music Man Revival, to Aida at the Met, to a concert at Brooklyn's Barclays Center, and much, much more, they go through everything that would have been happening in the city. Um, and in doing so, they talk to a lot of people that would have been involved with things that were happening, uh, including a number of theater artists like Sutton Foster, Matt Doyle, a stagehand from Wicked, Jessica Rush, who was in Tina, uh, and Quentin mm-hmm. Earl Darrington, who I don't think this had been announced. I don't think maybe it had. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, but they, they revealed that he was going to be playing, uh, Michael Jackson's father in MJ the musical. And I guess he still might be, uh, but it's not happening right now like it would have been. Yeah, I think that was announced. I was think it? that I was earlier. Remember. I think it was really early this year, like right okay. after the holidays. Okay. Yeah, because I remember Whitney Basher, I think, was going to be in it, who I love. So maybe it was with that. Anyway, they also include pictures of venues that are like, not boarded up, but like the the grates are down and you see people Mm -hmm. um, standing out uh, outside of them with masks on. You see half-built sets, unused costumes and more. It's very striking, Ashley. But the article focuses (laughs) on – yeah, it focuses on how the pandemic-related shutdowns have hurt both the arts and artists personally, professionally, financially. It, it's a tough read, but it's a necessary piece to really kind of put into context all of these conversations that we're having, you know, with Chuck Schumer and Save Our Stages and all that mm. stuff. This is really the context that you need to understand why those types of bills and those efforts yeah. are super important. 
For sure, not even. I mean, as you you started the section off by saying that you have to read some things, but I mean, even looking at the pictures, which are just so, so striking totally. and depressing in ways I didn't really expect. And I live here, so it's not like I don't see all this. Obviously, I don't get to go and look inside venues at this point, see stages, but you know, you do see the shuttered theaters and you see the great town. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's. Uh, it's quite a visual piece for that. And I mean, we're all visual, very visual people, obviously. Uh, looking at this and reading it, it's absolutely an indication uh, on top of everything else, of course, but absolutely, you know, a very uh, parochial visual indication of mm-hmm. why we need the things that have we've been talking about so often all these bills and grants and things that don't seem to be moving but hopefully are behind the scenes absolutely well this next piece is much more joyful and positive so it's the one that i want to leave you with before the weekend uh, it comes from american theater and of course as we've talked about before they are not putting out physical magazines for the duration of the year. Mm-hmm. Everything they're doing is online, which is a little disappointing because I would love to have been, been able to see this in print. But they came out with their annual Theater Workers You Should Know list. And this collection of 19 theater professionals includes a wide array of jobs from a managing director to a game creator to a playwright to an actor to a producer to a gender consultant to a sound designer and everything in between. But what is even more amazing than all of the different jobs that they focus on is that not only is this list of 19 people both incredibly ethnically and racially diverse, but... 16 of the 19 have either they, them, or some sort of other non-binary pronouns in their bio, which I'm going to say was not a coincidence. I'm going to say that they made the conscious effort to include uh, individuals who do not conform to the the gender binary. But actually, none of these artists are well known. I didn't recognize a single name of them. They're not all New York artists. They're not famous by Mm. any means. But as always, American theater has made a strong point by highlighting non-binary theater artists, especially not exclusively, but but more or less – and I'm really, I, as I'm kind of reading through their bios and what they work on and where they work on, like, uh, these are, a, in a lot of cases, folks that I'm interested to see their work. And they're not always, like I said, on stage or writers. Some of them are sound designers and, and you know, gender consultants and stuff. So, But I'm just super interested yeah. to learn more about these individuals and their works moving forward. Yeah, I love this list. Uh, it, it, I also, I actually, I think there are a couple names I think I've heard heard and that could just be you know friends of friends honestly sure. <laughs> but there are certainly you know having read reading through their bios bios i certainly recognize a lot of the organizations that they work for such as like you just mentioned gender consultant which is josephine kearns and that who uh works with ring of keys which is an organization that supports queer women uh gender non-conforming and trans artists on the stage so i certainly recognize a lot of the projects that are happening and they're uh, wonderful incredible supportive projects and it's it's great i i always think american theater does a great job and not just saying that because i've written for them before Um, but i always think they do a great job especially uplifting artists that don't get the attention on the larger scale and should Mm -hmm. so this is i i'm gonna definitely be going 
through all of these individual people, finding out what they do, and hopefully we'll get to see more of them. And like I've made lists like these uh, in sure. the past for Broadway World, and obviously the Broadway World audience is much different than the American theater audience. Mm-hmm. But it's so easy to just focus on the people who like. Maybe you don't just focus on Audrey McDonald and Hugh Jackman, but you focus on like Bonnie Ooh. Milligan or yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, you talk about the people who like theater people know, but are still like pretty famous in sure. the industry. But to sure. see them kind of go down, um, really to the people who are doing the work. And yeah. and making significant contributions, but aren't getting the acclaim. I, I think that's wonderful. Making significant contributions and also making just like really brave work that we should be yeah. talking about supporting and producing. Absolutely. All right, Ashley, are they playing? I don't hear any music. Is there anything going on downstairs? <laughs> I've heard time after time. Uh, I've heard Cindy Hey Lapa, Jude. Right? I've heard some Hey Jude, which is, I checked that about five minutes ago, so that's probably still going on. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Yeah, Hey Jude's a favorite. I love that. Uh, time yeah, after time, get yeah. a little Cindy Lauper. Yeah, good. it's good. Good news. They're yeah, spinning it's, the records. It's been a down really there. good playlist. I think I heard. I heard, think I heard the cars. I'm not sure okay. though. Nice, nice. All right. See? Well, that is all that we have for today. <laughs> Check us out next week on this week in classic rock. Um, but thank you for listening. <laughs> I was just say this is a classic rock podcast. Yeah, though, everybody, sorry. I'm here for it. Anyway, thanks <laughs> sorry, for listening to sorry. today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt Ashley. Where can the folks find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. Don't forget the great and the good Rory O'Malley will be the guest on this week on Broadway coming up on Sunday. You can join that discussion at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Listen to this week on Broadway, and we'll be back to talk to you on Monday. Monday.